Hey guys, this is Human Up Podcast. The zombie apocalypse is real. Subtitle, it started a long time ago. <laughs> and it's funny because, honestly, it could sound like I'm just making this catchy title uh, to get attention. And I am. And it's true. And not in the way you might think I mean it. So, much like I, I did a, an episode a ways back called The Real Matrix, I believe. Um, there is something very profound to the metaphors that are revealed out of the collective consciousness via our filmmakers and um, geniuses and writers and creators that may not even fully understand what is driving their creative process. You know, of course, got to come up with a cool story. People are going to love it. Um, it's got to sell. It's got to speak to the, you know, the, the zeitgeist, uh, the spirit of the times and the, the mindset of the times. It's got to be, you know, original and, um, you know, uh, twists and turns and you gotta you gotta just make these stories that 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 get people engaged and and keep them throwing money at the box office or Netflix or what have you. So that large in part is probably the 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 primary guiding incentive of any typical filmmaker, writer, producer, on and on. However, much like our technology, like this technology that I'm using right now and you're using right now, we use it <clears throat> and it's brilliant, it's genius, and we can say, well, who did that? Well, men did it, right? And women, of course, but I mean, mankind did it. And it really should be not just mankind, it should be womankind. How about woe mankind? Then you got both, like woe man and woe mankind. Um, <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> we'll go into that another time. But um, we created it. That's, our, that's what we say. We did it. And so we take all the credit. Consciously or unconsciously, we say we did it or other people did it. But no doubt about it. Humans did it. Humankind. Of course. <laughs> this is human up. Um, the big problem with saying we did it is the, the biggest problem, actually, in a way. Because it is no different than everything that we benefit from, from our very existence on up, that we take credit for and then ignore the source of it. And the source of it is not to be some deity or symbol or name specifically, but what is what needs to be agreed upon, no matter who it is, theist, atheist, you know, Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, you name it. 
we all have to recognize that there's a common source. There has to be a common source to all of this. And we're not doing this. Yes, we are moving through the world in our bodies, but if we had the job of sustaining these bodies, like right now, if we were to break down all the processes happening in my body, your body, everyone's, everybody's body, <laughs> human and otherwise, we and we said, okay, now I have to make sure that I breathe. I have to make sure that I keep on digesting. I got to make sure that I keep on regenerating every, you know, on all levels of my of my body, and I have to be detoxing and, um, you know, on and on and on. I'm just trying to pull out of thin air just some of the the one the obvious ones, but we're not doing it. But it's happening. Your heartbeat, perfect example. You have a heartbeat. You're not going to argue with me. There's a heartbeat that's happening right now in your chest. And you are not doing that. But something is. And take that to the nth degree, all the way to the Big Bang, if that's your ceiling, um, or as far back, if that's your, your worldview which is nothing wrong with it. I mean, nothing any more wrong with it than any other worldview. Everything, just common logic, says that everything comes from something. And so the Big Bang, the universe, let's say, let's take that model, had to have been generated. It had to come from something. What that something is, we may not be able to <clears throat> label in our normal ways like God or, or um, the universe or whatever names we use, which automatically downsizes to an extreme degree what it actually is. And I think that's where the battles are in terms of the names of God or God or no God or whatever. It's so much about any name that is given to it is going to be a downsizing. It's going to be a way too tiny of a container. It's all the names and more times infinity. <laughs> so how do you, we can't say, oh, you know, you all have, we all have to believe in God or we all have to believe in Yahweh or we all have to believe in Brahman. It's like, is it not obvious that all these names are different cultures, different languages, ways of, of trying to name and recognize we, we didn't create ourselves. Okay. We wouldn't be able to do this little movement with the finger. <laughs> if you're listening and not watching, I'm just moving my little index finger. We take these things for granted on such a deep level. I mean, to say take them for granted is even giving us too much credit. We're not even, there's not even anything we're taking for granted. We're just moving and doing and using and it's in that space that we've been in for a very long time. <clears throat> the two themes are, are converging uh, effortlessly here, which is my opening title, The Zombie Apocalypse Israel. But also this theme about the movies and the technology that allows us to bring it through. And, <clears throat> and much like our technology is coming through and we seem to be directing it and telling it what to do, we could not do any of it if it weren't for the inherent uh, 
um, means. You know, just to take a really basic one, like a light switch wouldn't work. You flip the switch, it connects the circuit, and makes the light go on in the most basic layman of terms. But that technology would not work if it weren't for the inherent connectivity, the ability of electrons, let's say, to travel through a medium and jump. And this is where it can get really juicy, and I invite you into the more heavy-duty trainings and seminars that my father and I do, because he's really an absolute genius on this level in terms of understanding logistic and and the way that we think, logic itself. And whether you like it or not, we're all using logic. And logic shows us that, that connection is impossible based on the logic we use. You know, like, for example, just the idea of the atom, which is uh, the, the smallest unit, you know, and I know we've, we've gone smaller than that, but I'm just saying like the, smalling, the smallest building blocks, let's just say the atom right now, for argument's sake, is a thing, it's an object, it's separate, just by the nature of the way we think about it. So how in the world do you suppose that, you know, two hydrogens fuse with an oxygen to make water? If there wasn't something deeper than the objects named. And so there's a great example of like, we, we can describe it. We can say, yeah, H2O, two hydrogens and an oxygen um, atoms come together to make a water molecule. Wow, isn't that amazing? Cool. Now, how can we use it? And how can we you know replicate it? And how can we blah, blah, blah. But if you think about it, we're... We're missing the main thing that's right there, which is how the heck are two, three, in this case, separate items going to connect at all if they're separate items? Hydrogen, that's hydrogen. Oxygen, that's oxygen. Two hydrogens, those are two separate hydrogens, right? Separate being the kind of the operative word here. And there is distinctness because we do indeed know there's two hydrogens and an oxygen. But what's connecting them? So, this is already going way deeper than I was expecting when I started, but this is so key to understanding the bigger picture because it's on this deep, deep level of thinking that we are habitually in denial of the connectivity for some reason. Why? Why are we so afraid of that? Why, are we, why don't we go, oh my God, by our logic, that's impossible, unless, of course... There was an infinite field that was infinitely connecting everything infinitely. (laughs) There's a lot of infinite. Because then you got to start to get into that realm of like, well, it's beyond what we can talk about. We can't put it in a box. I can't put it in a box. So I can't, in other words, I can't name it. I can't strong arm it into submission. And that's, I think, you know, that's why there's such an upheaval in both directions, in terms of there has to be God. God meaning, you know, that which is beyond the container, the infinite. And yet, the upheaval against that, because you can't put the infinite in a container. So, I'm an atheist. So, in a way, atheists are right, and theists are right, and everyone in between is right, and everybody's wrong. <laughs> because we're all 
we're all trying to label it, whether what it is and what it's what it's not. But it's not about again putting it. You can't Google infinite because you can't say like you know, type in show me infinite Google and it'll show you the infinite. No, it can't show you the infinite because it can just say it is. You know. What is it going to say? It's never ending. It's a really big number. I mean, that's not big enough. In other words, the infinite is not big or small. It's beyond that. And then that's when we start to push our, our mind, when we start to push past the confines of our finite thinking, that's when we start to go, ah, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Exactly. We are so used to head wrapping, and this is a zombie thing. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead of myself, but quality number one of a zombie, of a normal zombie, the obsession to wrap our head around it, to contain it. It's a power trip. Backing up, the movie makers and everyone, the, <clears throat> the movie makers and everyone the scientists, and every single person is constantly swimming, if you will, in this invisible, in a way, infinite influence. That which is moving the entire cosmos, um, that which generated the Big Bang, that which is keeping your heart beating. Don't call it God. Don't call it, it does, it does not have to be God names. I think the problem with God names is it makes it into like a thing, a personality, a person, it's a, a separate entity. And that's the whole point. That's us trying to wrap our head around it. And, and on a deep level, we know that that's a fallacy. So what does it mean to open up to what has to be there, here, right now? Making the light on your computer screen or your phone screen or, or carrying, you know, my voice through this microphone and all the electronics and, um, and, and let alone just, just these thoughts that are apparently just coming through me. Not that I don't have anything to do. I'm not saying I'm like a channeler or anything, but uh, I'm not planning what I'm saying and it's just coming through. How is this possible without there being some unfathomable source from which it all comes. If you look at human evolution too, and you think about, you look back on even more barbaric times, I wasn't going to say barbaric times as though it's not barbaric now, because honestly, that's my whole point here. It's still very barbaric, but we're kind of used to it. That said, it's getting better. What's getting better? Well, to take some obvious things, you know, it's not, it's not like all out. Um, I mean, of course, I was not alive in in uh, in any time before 1982. Now you know my age. Um, so, I mean, I didn't experience the world wars. I didn't experience the uh, you know, and that's fa fairly recent, right? Um, but you know, human human history is laden with all kinds of of violence and barbaric behavior the world over. And there's a lot of things that don't go over anymore. And if you think just a hundred, less than 150 years ago, slavery still in effect. 
And only in the last 100 years are blacks allowed to vote and women allowed to vote. I mean, come on. I'm, you know, I'm being very loosey-goosey with my historical uh, numbers here, so please forgive me. Uh, but you get the idea here, right? Something's changing. Something's been improving. What is moving that? Why is it? Why is it right that equality, for example, becomes enforced and protected as sacred? What's guiding us? Could that be built into the very, the very infinite source? which is sustaining us and holding us at all times, whether we want to admit it or not. Could we, could there be a guiding principle here? And, and of course there is. And under that guiding principle, could our pop culture and media and technology and all that's going on and that we think we're doing just on our own, could it be guided? Could messages be coming through? Well, I started to really see that with the Matrix movie thing. I was like, wow, those guys were making a, you know, a blockbuster hit movie, which they did. And in a certain ilk of films, you know, like I just watched Bad Grandpa or whatever it's called the other a few weeks ago or whatever. I mean, there's like that that kind of film, which is just nothing more than just mind-numbing, checking-out entertainment. But then there's movies in our culture that have come through, one of my all-time favorites, Dances with Wolves. Oh, my God, if you haven't seen it, just see it. And if you're used to the high-impact, quick-motion stimulation mindfuck of today's movies and TV and commercials – you might be understimulated by it. I'm speaking to you, millennials, uh, which I'm at the spearhead of age-wise. Um, but, you know, I wonder if you'd be able to sit through this three-hour movie. But it is brilliant. It's so well done. It's so beautiful and so heart-wrenching. And, and, and it just, I basically cry like a baby through the whole thing. Because <sighs> it's just so touching. And there's movies at that level, you know. And then, you know, movies like, even though it's a lot more action-packed and, you know, contemporary in that sense, Avatar, I kind of see it at that kind of like level where it's like, it's capturing something about, it's capture, it speaks to something deep in the human consciousness. And in, its own, in a way, it's, it's a mirror. These movies are a kind of mirror. And they reflect back at us, our consciousness and... And in certain ways are metaphors for what we're actually going through. And that's why The Matrix blew me away because in The Matrix, it's just the basic principle of it is, is actually very connected to the zombie principle. Nobody knows they're in a matrix. Not nobody. There's a very, very, very few people who actually realize this is the movie, right? And I've already done an episode on this, so I'm not going to go into it too far. But the basic principle that everyone's in a matrix but doesn't even know it. That's, that's so profound in terms of as a commentary on our, our human condition right now. Um, and the theme of the computer takeover, which is echoed in a lot of movies like Terminator and blah, 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 and all these different films that talk about the computer takeover. And that's another deep symbol here. But focusing on the zombie theme, the zombie is a 
was a person, a normal person, just like you and me, who got exposed to the virus. And that virus slowly took over until any semblance of the person is gone. And basically the body is just a vehicle for the virus. And of course the virus is just trying to spread and has a, has a kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, collective mind, uh, not unlike, a, say, a colony of ants are all individual ants, but they move as one intelligence, as do every, as does every species um, in every group is going to have a collective consciousness. That's speaking to that kind of invisible connectivity that I'm speaking of. And, and right now, I'm demonstrating it right now, okay? Because if you think about it, what, what is really going on here? Why am I even doing this? Why are you even listening if you're still listening? Because there's something being transmitted through these mediums, right? So my, my, my mind is tapping into these ideas because of the built-in beautiful connectivity and technology of my, my, my mind and body. I can actually shape these thoughts into words and sounds, Whoa. Oh my God. And that goes through the air's vibrations and goes into the mic and shakes the diaphragm. And that turns into electrical impulses that are so acute and, and uh, fine tuned that it actually translates with very little distortion from my actual voice. Oh my God. And then <laughs> through all these algorithms goes through an analog to digital conversion, which turns that those digital, those uh, analog digital um, electronic impulses, which are like waves into ones and zeros and, and that resemble the waves. And then that can be translated in myriad ways. Uh, I put a compressor, uh, compressor on it. I EQ it. I, um, I edit it. I package it in a podcast or a video or whatever, and I boom. And because of the internet is there, which, you know, of course, yeah, big deal, whatever. We got an internet <laughs> where we should all be like, oh, my God. It's amazing. It's all harnessing and tapping into the connectivity, the invisible connectivity. None of that chain that I described would work. Oh, and then it goes to your computer, and then it goes through your speakers or your headphones or whatever, into your ears, into your brain, and through all kinds of learned algorithms inside of you that can actually translate my voice because you speak the same language as me. And if you don't, and maybe this you know, has subtitles one day, um, oh my God, you can read the subtitles and get... Get the, get the vibrations from my voice along with the meaning written down. I mean, it is unbelievable what we're able to do and convey and tap into and share. And so we're all part of this collective web. This is part of it right now. And the dissemination of ideas and not so much ideas as much as the place where the ideas come from. That's really what I, my ultimate goal here with you guys is not to give you information like a reporter. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not what wisdom is about. Wisdom isn't about getting information. Wisdom is about tapping that field, that invisible field, the source. Um, and that is what it means to be alive. And the virus that the, the zombie apocalypse movies are, are speaking to, they're playing it out, externalizing 
something very, very profound. And it's always like, oh, yeah, it's fun, entertainment. You know, it's scary. Oh, my gosh, uh, the zombies are after you. Don't get, don't be one of the ones that get bit. And, and all that drive. I don't even watch Confession Session. I haven't even watched um, Fear the Walking Dead, if, if that's what it's called. Um, and my whole family does, and I like never. I don't go. Like so, it's kind of funny that I'm even talking about it, because I don't. I don't enjoy the zombie movies, and um, but I, I. Nonetheless, I see the profound metaphor that sits in these movies, and they've been playing out for many decades now. I mean, this is a deep-seated uh, idea, just like the computer takeover. The idea of a zombie apocalypse, what is it basically is that there's a virus that's passing through all of humanity and doing what? Taking from, from a normal person who's alive and well and, and has volition and agency of their own to slowly deteriorating into a barely sustained decaying corpse that carries the virus and, you know. Okay, so that's that's a very... You know, uh, <laughs> I'm searching for words today uh, more than usual, but you know, that's a very, very kind of uh, dramatic and and uh, ridiculous kind of playing out of that. And most of us would be like, all right, what are, what are the chances of that actually happening? Come on, right? And you'd be right. But it also depends on what what framework you're in because – what do we have to compare our lives to now other than the lives we've just known? And what if, what if, for argument's sake, we are all, in this bigger picture sense, we are all in a zombie-like state relative to our real natural healthy state. We just got used to it. I suppose you could be offended by me saying that, but I'm hoping you're excited by it because it means when we thought we've seen it all and we thought, well, I guess this is life. What if we haven't even barely begun to tap how amazing life is, how alive we can be, how, you know, all these movies like Lucy or what's that one with Bradley Cooper? Invincible? Ah, I forget, but it's, it's much like Lucy, you know, like she, she has this dr that drug that releases in her and she goes from the normal 10% human to this like super duper unbelievable, able to bend reality being right but she wasn't getting any new parts added to her she was just activating the part the the full capacity that was already there very profound lesson in that one too and man the, the name of that movie is going to drive me crazy the bradley cooper one he, it's a pill that that he would take and, and it would give him so much more intelligence and quickness and an ability to you know calculate and move and everything at a superior level, right? Okay, so imagine, just again, just go there with me. You can always go back to, ah, nothing's crazy. But just follow me here because what, what I'm suggesting is that 
we have been in the state that we are now. Imagine that we became zombies a very long time ago. Not zombies as in terms of decaying body uh, like that, right? But relative to what we were or maybe relative to what we can be or we're starting to be, let's say we had a serious fall, not to go biblical with it, but, but maybe that's what the fall from grace was speaking to. What if there was a moment in time where we got a kind of virus, but not the virus like it's another biological you know, germ that that we got that we got, but something more, something even deeper, something even harder to detect. Like think about when your computer gets a virus, like the malware comes in and it it's insidious and 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 gets in and messes with the programs, and pretty soon your computer's crashing and everything's crashing. Imagine that. On this level that that I'm speaking, like literally, like right now, if, if we look at what it really all is, if you turn on the news, if you go anywhere, if you go to school, if you go to work, if you go you know, to meet your partner for dinner, whatever it is, what is the common theme through all of it? It's all it's all communication. We're all communicating. Even before co computers or any of this, any, anything, even before the telegram, we were still telegramming. Yeah, it wasn't using wires and electricity as a medium to carry it over great distances or digital codes to, to make it m more packageable and transmittable and, and all of that. But we have been... Co-creating our reality through language, communication, interaction, um, and, and through that, a kind of evolution of that, sophistication, all of these, that's that, that invisible you know, influence that's constantly moving us to evolve and change and improve and, and all of that. So what's going on in that process? If we really stop and look at that, you know, the computers are also a metaphor for us. The computers are appearing the way they are not separate from us, but because of the way we think. Our technology could have come out completely differently. <clears throat> our technology might have come out completely differently if we were in a totally different mindset. Like imagine going to some other planet and there's, you know, human-like beings but they live wildly differently and their technology, like you wouldn't have even thought of it. And somehow they're able to get from A to B without having to like fill a tank of gas and a big hunk of metal with wheels. And, and like you look at their technology and then you look at ours and you go, oh my God, like why didn't we think of that? You know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, make the point is that our technology and all this, we just take it at face value and like, well, yeah, that's just technology. But zoom out a moment. Why is it appearing and coming into the form of the way that it is? And these themes, now to jump to the computer takeover movies, The Matrix, Terminator, um, on and on and on, <laughs> really reaching for uh, examples today, but 
those computer movies are speaking to the possibility of these things um, taking over. But what I'm suggesting is it already took over. And now the computers are here. It's not that the computers take over, took over. It's that computer logic took over a long time ago. And what if computer logic, that way of thinking, labeling, dividing, containing, wrapping our heads around it, is exactly what's, what the virus is? And what if that has had terribly crippling effects to us for a long time, long enough that we don't have anything to compare it to? What if our ground floor, our, 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 our operating baseline is zombie, the, the equivalent of the zombie in this case, which is the crippled, disabled thwarted i mean we we say i hear it all the time about how we're only using 10 percent of the brain whoever decides that <clears throat> but let's say that that's on some level sound or generally sound scientific evidence well what's up with that is that not is that not affirming what i'm saying and then we go like well maybe it was since since everybody's only using 10 percent, maybe it's just that's just the way it is you know like we've got junk dna you know we just got dna we don't know what it does so it's it's junk DNA because we can't figure it out. So it's junk. You know what? If, <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. What if it's not junk DNA? And what if we're not supposed to be stuck inside of a 10% ceiling to the mind and consciousness and brain? And what if there actually is something continuously entrapping us and enslaving us on that level on the level of the consciousness we can't go past a certain ceiling because why because we can't we'd have to cross you know when, when i was talking about the infinite earlier and a simple simple one is just to visualize going to the edge of the universe like if they say that the universe is 13.8 billion years old or whatever they say right so it's it's this big. Let's say we can zoom up far enough to say that the universe is this big. Then you, the obvious question is, well, then what's around it? Because as soon as you wrap your head around it, it's now an object. And an object can only exist in a space. And it's that space I'm speaking of and to. And that space can't be, in, uh, can't be finite because as soon as you contain that, is, there's a space that surrounds that on and on and on and on. Now you think, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, that makes my head hurt. I, I don't. Why do you even need to think about that? It's the most important thing to think about, because the infinite. That's when we start to lift that ceiling, that ten percent ceiling, because that ten percent ceiling is there is because of our addiction to wrapping our heads, our finite heads, around reality, and in, and that's what I meant about the power struggle. It's almost like we want to strong arm reality into submission, and our destruction of nature, and not to mention each other is a symptom of that. Humans have been, you know, I think about how when the Europeans came over and, you know, that period of time from the 15th century until now, but especially in those early times and saw the savages who were, who were living with the earth. Ew, 
gross and like these these unsophisticated uncivilized savages Ugh. what is that thing there's there's a thing there that i think a lot of people share you know a, a phobia of nature why why because nature is the constant reminder a constant reminder that we are grossly underpowered to to fight it or overpower it i mean it's almost like a like a, a deep-seated resentment of nature and and a detesting of the variety of life and uh uh you know like think about that that thing when you see like a creepy crawler bug you know what i mean like why is this such a universal response to go man we should be like whoa that thing's freaking amazing holy moly but why does it freak us out because we're zombies we're zombied out man relative to where we could be where we could be seriously mind blown like 24 7 like and that's our ground floor of operation like oh my god all of the time and and maybe not saying those words oh my god but feeling oh my god i'm alive holy moly this is amazing and like that is like the ground floor that should be the ground floor but that's that entails a certain humbleness and celebration of whatever you want to call it. That which is bigger than you and that which is bigger than me and that which is beyond our understanding, our, our head-wrapping understanding. Because I don't like it when people say, oh, you can't perceive it or conceive of it, so it's just to leave it alone. Bad move, guys. Do not... Say, well, we're only human. That's one of the worst slogans because, again, you're saying, it's like saying I'm only zombie. And so you want to you wanna dance at the edges of what you understand. Like uh, the way a, a leaf is like, you know, that when the leaf is just budding and it's not a full-grown leaf, it's not pissed off that it's a little leaf going like, ew, I don't want to get bigger. You know, that's weird. I'm only a small leaf. I'm only a bud. No, it's it's feeling into the sunlight, right? It's reaching into the sunlight. It's meeting the sunlight as a symbol of what I'm talking about. It's going it's reaching into the space. And it grows not from mm, I'm gonna make myself grow. It's a hmm, it's feeling and it's breathing and it's inhaling and it's exhaling and it's, you know, and think about everything in life is like this. It's like feeling out into the spaces and occupying more and more and dilating and, and realizing and awakening. That's the nature of this whole thing. And it's like humans are part of that. But somewhere along the line, some kind of thought virus some kind of mind virus came in and and just put the kibosh on our our being a part of that beautiful dance which requires a certain kind of again like the word humbleness keeps coming to my mind because in order to really grow you've got to be there has to be a kind of reverence there has to be it doesn't have to be to a god but there has to be a reverence to that which is bigger than us and bigger being for lack of a better word because again the infinite isn't big it's it's bigger than big it's beyond big and small and and that that deserves a bow to 
to for us to bow to it and to give thanks because it's obviously supplying every ounce of our existence already every cell in my body every heartbeat every breath all the things that are happening to keep me alive that i'm not doing i mean if we stop honoring that if we stop celebrating that we start dying and i suggest that that is the culture we're in a dying culture we're in a dying death mind space that leads to all of our behavior that is destructive and then you think about the kids coming in and what they have to endure well we were all those kids once but it seems like it's almost like increasing the intensity of what we're asking of the kids to face and they're just coming into this brutal energy even if it's normal try to imagine it from a fresh young loving beings being perspective and just learning all of the codes of behavior and how you should be and how you shouldn't be and has so many so many just so much red tape and so many you know and just how we just constantly chung, 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 chung. where does that happen the most it happens in our consciousness how do you get someone to physically behave? You tell them the rules. It's all happening in the, in the mind space. If they get out of line, you punish them, right? And this is how we teach each other. So is anybody really woke about what we're passing on or are we just passing it on? And even though there may be an improvement from, say, grandma and grandpa's generation to my parents' generation to my generation, and there is a kind of evolution that's going on, could it be that it's still extremely labored and underneath the 10% ceiling? Could it be that accessing that beyond that 10% is not a matter of what the movies say and have to say because how are we going to do it? Well, since your brain is just a thing, you need to put another thing in the thing to make the thing open up. So it has to be a drug or it has to be a thing. What if it's not at all? What if it does not? In fact, what if it couldn't be a drug? What if no drug or no substance could do more than give you an episodic, ah, oh, wow, I'm seeing reality. And then what happens every time you have one of those experiences, you come back, don't you? And so, wow, that was great. But was it real? You know, and we just kind of stay under that 10% ceiling, man. That, that, and that's what I'm saying is normal, but it's normalized zombiehood. And the apocalypse is already, why do we talk about the apocalypse like it's going to happen? Because that's just normalizing all the destruction that's already happening and happened. Not to mention not just the obvious destruction, but the destruction of our joy, the destruction of our happiness, the normalizing of depression. The normal zombie is, is, a, is, an, is a standard, average, depressed normally depressed human, which is you don't call depressed because it's just average, right? So it's normal because there's nothing to compare it to. That's why I said we should be excited because there is an answer to this. And I'm suggesting that you, me, everyone who's alive right now has an opportunity to become truly alive. 
and that you haven't seen everything under the sun already, but you've barely seen anything under the sun yet. We look at kids and the way they're like, everything, they're seeing it for the first time actually. <laughs> and they're just like, wow, ah. <laughs> you might even remember, I remember moments of being just like, whoa, like one of the best memories is dri driving to the airport to go to Seattle because we went every summer from Philly to Seattle and driving up to the Philadelphia airport which now I go and I'm like, ah, oh, pollution, metal, pollution, people, right? Mr. Grumperstein. Um, but when I was a kid, I was just like, whoa, you see the tails of the airplane sticking out over the, the walls. It's like, we were like, oh my God, oh my God. And then when we got on the airplane, it was like the coolest thing ever. And like, who's going to sit next to the window? And then we're like looking at the, the, uh, the safety book <laughs> booklet like like totally into it and uh i mean if you <laughs> that's that's awesome like we and we look at kids like that and we go like oh <laughs> wish i could feel like that and we're like, that's life oh, we should just add a little asterisk there life that's life asterisk zombie life normalized zombie life what we got used to, what we accepted as the end-all be-all of the, the only way it could unfold, the only way it could go. That's the, that's the entire asterisk. <clears throat> so I'm saying we, you know, it might be, it might be a little hard work. And I'm thinking of future generations so that they don't have to do this. They don't have to go to underneath the 10% ceiling at all. But it's going to require at some point in the evolutionary line for some range of humans to step in and go, this is bullshit. This isn't life. And be brave enough to say it, even if some people get offended. And, and for all I know, you are getting offended. But I'm inviting you into that wide open space. And make no mistake, we're scared of it. My last relationship ended because she couldn't handle the brightness and openness of the love I wanted us to rise into together. And it's, it's because it's scary. And it's because it asks you to let go of something very familiar. Your zombie self your zombie life and all of the goals that you set and all of the things that you were sure to make you happy one day because you got famous or you got successful or you found the perfect partner or you got the perfect body or whatever you decided from your zombie mindset that was going to make you less feel less like a zombie. But then all you end up with is being a zombie with a couple medals. Not to put down the accomplishments, but what I'm saying is uh, maybe you're not satisfied with that. I'm not. I'm not. And I want – it requires a certain kind of reverence. And the word reverence has been used in church settings and in the context of, of that religious connotation. I'm not meaning it that way. Imagine taking away all of the religious vibe of it. Not to put down religion, guys, but I'm, I'm wanting to upgrade it. Reverence is a, is a human thing, not a religious thing. Reverence is like, it's like what those kids are experiencing. Like when I was me at the airport, 
I wasn't all, you know, jaded and angry, you know, about the world. I was just like, oh my God, amazing. That's what I mean. To be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about life. Not let that go. Why, when did it become uncool to be happy and joyful, gleeful? I remember when I was, you know, in my teens, high school, you know, and I started to realize my la- my laugh was gleeful and and giddy. Like I was giddy and gleeful, and I it was probably some some you know meathead dude who was just like, dude, you're gay or something like that. And I was like, oh, oh. You know, think about how many times that happens where we're just being and then something, some code, a part of the virus comes and just hits you and you realize you're not okay the way you are naturally. So what do you have to do? Wait, 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 what did I do wrong? Okay, I'm not going to do that. What do I, how do I, how do I act? How do I look? How do I, and that's how the virus gets passed until we're all just like, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you good? I'm good. Yeah. Paper or plastic? Uh, a paper. Oh, good. Cool. Uh, how's your day? Good. How's your day? Good. Great weather. Yeah. Uh, We're zombied. We're zombied out. And I believe that all of us are just inside just like dying to just go throw it off and discover who we are. There's no room for uniqueness in this world. The disease, the, the zombie disease is one of conformity. And the name of the game is, well, what's everyone else doing? I better do that. Why? Because doing your own thing is not celebrated. And so it's a, it's a fear-based tactics that we all use. Everybody, to varying degrees and in different ways. And you got to be brave enough to see it in yourself. You know, it's not about being down on yourself. It's about recognizing, shoot, I got the sickness too. I got exposed to the virus. Don't feel bad about it. But what if you know that you can be the antidote as well? And that's what I'm saying. It's the antidote is not some, it's not sitting in some vial somewhere or waiting to happen in some technological advance or pill. It's right here, right now, in all of us, fully available. But we have to start to see, like, the, maybe if nothing else, if I leave you with nothing else, it's, it's this. It's don't feel bad. You got the virus too. We all did. And the zombie talk is not a put down. It's a, it's a fun way analogy because we're so familiar with those movies of understanding a little bit, like to not normalize our condition and to really be brave enough to go, wait a second. No, I, I'm not settling for this. If we don't do that, then we start to start to battle the symptoms out there. All the symptoms that you see in the world that you don't like, whether it's racism or sexism or destruction of the environment or child abuse or trafficking or whatever it might be, right? And those, or it's all of those, and it should be all of those because they're all aberrations. They're all uh, generated because of zombie consciousness, normalized zombie human consciousness. So... But then, then here's the kicker, because you can try to start to go after those symptoms, and you're the equivalent of an ointment to a rash on your skin. You might make a difference. You might put out a, you might make that rash go away. But did you get to what was causing it deep inside? 
And so this is really good news because we're, we've been exhausting ourselves out there in the field. And I'm not saying stop helping. We have to. If we don't continue putting out the fires, we're, we will get enveloped. We're, we're already enslaved to having to undo so much of the destruction, but we have to keep that going, right? But if we keep that going without ever getting to what's starting the fires, really what's starting the fires, deep, deep down in all of us, then we're just going to spend the rest of our existence putting out our own fires. And that is insanity. That's hell. And we're living it already. And we talk about nightmares. Well, this is the normalized daymare. It's, it's, we don't call it a daymare. We just, you know. It's life. Yeah, it's life. Who said life was fair? We're only human. All of these ways that we normalize and roll over and take it, essentially. But when we start to recognize the practice, the and there's many ways of saying it, but the undoing of our phobia of what we don't understand, a phobia of the infinite. Be brave enough to start to strip down those inner clothes, those, those walls, those ceilings, those barriers, and open up to what is actually reality in all of its glorious diversity and its glorious oneness. It's the only way we're going to actually come to a place of actual peace and harmony with each other and with nature and save our planet because we actually have gotten to that point where it's like, wow, we, can, we are capable of destroying an entire planet and ourselves. But if we're actually going to get to the real deal, we've got to get to what's blocking us from that because everything is already a harmonious flow. Humans are the first to have dislodged themselves from that natural flow. So I'm not saying we got to go, you know, ditching our vehicles and, and buildings and, and go back to barefoot out in the woods. That's not what I'm saying. It's, and you might do that. That might exactly be your cup of tea. I'm saying we don't have to... Again, it's not about moving the parts out there. It's not about changing the appearance level. It's not about changing the behavior as a way of doing it. Again, that's all zombie consciousness. It's a much more subtle and immediate and continuous 24-7 practice of presence of perhaps, perhaps you're not doing anything. <laughs> perhaps you just stop. Perhaps we just, what if everybody just, just, Everybody just for a minute just paused and just stopped, went, and just dropped. Like the last one I was talking about, the last episode, stop, drop, roll. What if everybody just stopped, dropped, and rolled for a little while? You know, and what if we practice that again and again? You know, it's just, just cease the, the frantic motion, just cease the, the desperate, trying to get there, gotta 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 beat the, Whatever, I gotta beat the deadline. I gotta beat the competition. I gotta beat the the worst case scenario. I gotta, and all of these, you know, and that's what leads to the, you know, think about road rage. 
road rage is like a, a place where it comes out. Um, you know, when you're contained in these literal container bubbles that separate you from the other and you can't even feel the sacredness of this other being. You know that you're not supposed to hit their car, but uh, damn them, they're driving too slow or whatever. You know, think about all the ways it comes out and all the, you know, and and how used to it we are and how we're exemplifying it for our children so they can just do it all over again. It's just not cool anymore. So each one of you listening to this right now, I want you to really look at yourself and take the whole planet off your plate. Know that it is simultaneously about the whole planet and it's just about you right now. Like just, you can't stop trying to make the people around you act differently. Take that pressure off. That's a lot of weight to carry for a person. Don't like, just let everybody be. But for you, start to ask yourself, how are you feeding the virus? How are you keeping yourself enslaved? In every moment, how are you creating stress? You'll, you'll notice in so many instances, it's not a matter of doing something different. It's just stop. Just stop. So much of the, uh, the anxiety and the stress, it's just how it's so much of it's being spun in our mind practice. And then we act from that. So can you stop on that level? This is what I'm practicing. And I'm inviting you to do it too, because I know it's true. Because if we don't have agency on that level of, of how we're interpreting and thinking, then we don't have agency at all. Because all of our actions are coming from our thinking. So maybe this is a, a, an antidote for the, the zombie virus. We all got the malware, and I'm beginning to, through painstaking years of work and research, distill it. And that's what these offerings are, these quote-unquote podcasts or video casts or whatever they may be. This is me doing what I feel I can to, if nothing else, just present the possibility that there might be so much more and that 